Welcome to the pod. And welcome back in to, there we go, the Chris Mathis podcast. Chris Mathis, Spencer Mathis once here with you guys again as we uh, follow up to a, a very good podcast last week as we talked about Kyle Trask, Baker Mayfield, if there's a true quarterback competition here in Tampa Bay. Again, I'm at the iHeartRadio studios at Feather Sound. This time I am in my uh, WDAE studio, so uh, not uh, I think it was, what, the mix last week. So back in DAE, and we've got a lot of quarterback stuff to get into. Rankings from Pro Football Focus as well that will catch your eye and definitely caught my eye regarding some NFL quarterbacks and their expectations ahead of this upcoming season. Also, the latest uh, edition of Madden has uh, rumors that Josh Allen, quarterback of the Bills, will be on the cover of that. We'll grace the cover of Madden 24. We'll get into that here momentarily. And uh, even got something on Baker Mayfield, too. And I think that we'll start off with the Buccaneers quarterback and Baker Mayfield as uh, we want to talk about something that we kind of broke into last week with Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield. But, you know, I'm looking at pro football focus, see a lot of different things that we're going to get into here today uh, with this podcast. But this one stood out to me regarding highest check down rate percentage in 2022. So Baker Mayfield had the highest Checkdown rate percentage last season, while Jalen Hurts had the lowest at 3.4%. Now, I do know that uh, when you think of a checkdown, it's when a quarterback you know makes his reads and has to dump it off to the tailback or the tight end. It's more of a short route. Uh, it's a quick throw. It's nothing major through the air by any means. I'm not sure how I feel about this statistic here with Baker Mayfield leading the league last season. I know he didn't really start too many games last year, but uh, for him to have the highest checkdown rate in 2022, even with Tom Brady still playing last season, I don't know how to how to really chew on that, Spence. Yeah, that was shocking to me, considering that we as Bucks fans watched Tom Brady's last NFL season last year with just how much he had to check down the ball. There was no time in the pocket, and to see that another quarterback had more checkdown percentage than him is a little bit concerning, maybe. But I would like I'd be interested to see Tom Brady's, and then obviously who'd be like the next two or three closest to Baker Mayfield because. Mayfield obviously was in his second team's offense of that year. He started out with the Panthers, played seven or eight games there. They got rid of him around the the bye week area for them whenever they switched back to uh, P.J. Walker and Sam Darnold. But then whenever Baker Mayfield went over to the Rams, he played, what, three or four games with them. Obviously, of course, just learning a new playbook with Sean McVay being the offensive coordinator slash head coach there in Los Angeles. And I feel like uh, they really don't have a great receiving core in Los Angeles in the first place. So that one – isn't as shocking as as maybe at, at the beginning before you put too much thought into it, but like considering that the that the Rams receiving core had lost Cooper Cup by the time Baker Mayfield had got there and he was out for the rest of the season. I think at like week eight, even though he was on pace for another great season, they really only had Tyler Higby, uh, a couple of running backs to throw down to. I think that team was just poorly constructed after the uh, after their Super Bowl victory just the year prior, which was pretty a pretty big downtrend for the Los Angeles Rams, but. I mean, Baker Mayfield, obviously, learning a new offense, having to go in there for Matthew Stafford. He was a good quarterback for them and uh, played with some, I would say, C talent on that offensive side of the ball in Los Angeles. I don't think that this is too much to look into. Of course, it is going to be a lot different in Tampa Bay because you've got Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, a couple other guys that you can throw the ball downfield to. You've got a, a better running game in Tampa Bay, hopefully this year, than what he had with the Rams last season because I remember Daryl Henderson was the running back. They ended up cutting him for some reason. And then went back to Cam Akers, who has spent a lot of time of his career in the NFL since he's graduated from Florida State University, benched for some reason. So obviously he's not a great running back, and their offensive line is also as bad as the Buccaneers. And I don't really put too much thought into that Baker Mayfield being the best 
or, or using checkdowns the most in the entire league. But we'll see how that goes as we head into the 2023 season, because I do believe still that he will be uh, the Buccaneers quarterback this year. Yeah, and with that being said, we talk about Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask and this so-called open quarterback competition with the Buccaneers up heading into this year. And obviously, when you look down at the checkdown percentage, you know, I'm not sure how much is weighed into this, how offensive coordinators, how head coaches view that statistic. I know if you're winning, it's not a big deal whatsoever. However, with that being said, on the flip side, they are currently splitting reps right now, 50-50 between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask. Would you not just want to go ahead and say, hey, you know what, Baker, you've got the keys to the car. Uh, you're going to get the majority, if not all, of these first-team reps, especially when Baker Mayfield has had to learn so many different uh, playbooks over the last season. I guess, what, three teams and a little bit over the last season or so. So he's been through a lot. He's had to learn several new playbooks, as you just mentioned, and again, he played with uh, C talent there with the Los Angeles Rams. I don't know. I feel as if, you know, if you're Dave Canales or if you're Todd Bowles, you look at that and – I'm sure it's something that was weighed into the into the picture here this year with the Buccaneers. I know that they're trying to fit an offense around their quarterbacks and trying to find out which quarterback fits perfectly in Dave Canales' offense. And I think that seeing that check down percentage uh, would definitely kind of open up my eyes if I was Dave Canales. And I would think, hey, you know, maybe why not give Baker Mayfield more reps, more snaps in this new offense and get him more familiarized with this offensive weapon core that you have and Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Co-Keefe, Kate Otten, Rashad White. Yeah, I just don't think Baker Mayfield is a guy who's kind of who has earned that over the last two or three years in the NFL. Of course, these injuries have been a big thing. I still don't believe the Buccaneers really know what they're getting in Baker Mayfield at the time either. So why not see what Kyle Trask has as well with some of the better guys? Of course, he's been there for a couple of years now, but still, of course, Brady was the quarterback. He got all the reps. This is the first time that Trask really has got to split the reps with good talent. And I think that the Buccaneers need to do that, especially right now in the uh, in the training camp portion of the year in terms of the Buccaneers right now are just running uh, routes on air, basically, with really nobody covering at all. So it's basically just throwing slants, um, post routes, just all the easy passes right now in Tampa Bay. So I don't see that. I don't see them really going towards one quarterback or the other until the preseason starts. And even then, I don't know. I think that this is going to be a competition between the two quarterbacks, regardless. Of course, Baker Mayfield can be a good quarterback in the NFL, but he can also be really bad as what we saw with the Panthers last season. But he played pretty good with the Rams as a, as a checkdown artist is what we've just learned. So I don't think that you can really hand over the keys to the ship just yet with Baker Mayfield. I think that they, they're going to make that decision after we see two, probably probably one or two at least play uh, preseason games because there's only three preseason games now this year. And then you've got that week off before the season starts. But I think that they're going to give these two probably almost even reps. I see what you're saying here that, of course, I think probably by what the end of July, beginning of August, you're going to see Baker Mayfield probably getting 60-40 or maybe even 65, 35% of the reps uh, in terms of Mayfield at 65% and Kyle Trask at 35%. But I don't see the the point of that right now, and I don't think the Buccaneers do either. So I think Baker Mayfield and Trask are really in a competition. And right now it seems from what we've seen from the media, what we've heard from a lot of the people that have been in and around the training camp portion of the season this year, and even players, is that Baker Mayfield kind of has the leg up right now because he's a known leader and he's always been a leader. And that's one thing that you can't take away from Baker Mayfield regardless of um, if he's winning football games, because the same thing happened in Tampa. What it's already been three years or four years, which is pretty insane. But Jameis Winston is kind of a very similar quarterback to Baker Mayfield. And the Bucks have been through this. He won over the locker room still whenever Ryan Fitzpatrick was there. And I think we're going to see the exact same thing with Baker Mayfield, Baker Mayfield this year. Of course, Kyle Trask is now on the level of Ryan Fitzpatrick, but Mayfield is going to win this over just because he has 
the natural leadership ability. And the Buccaneers have a pretty decent roster and definitely not as bad as a lot of these rankings have set them out to be, out, out to be so far, especially a lot of teams have played good with good teams without a good quarterback over the years. And I think the Buccaneers are a team that are at least at least a six-win team this season, and that is not the bottom of the barrel, I can tell you that. I think there's going to be at least two or three teams that maybe win two games this year trying to get Caleb Williams, and I don't think the Buccaneers are going to be one of the guys or one of the teams with their names in that hat after this season ends. Well, I know that I've got some interesting factoids here and standings, expectations for this upcoming uh, NFL season regarding the 32 starting quarterbacks. As of right now, I guess you could say predicted starting quarterbacks. And we'll get into those because there are a couple of shockers here, according to Pro Football Focus's Sam Monson. A couple of quarterback names and their rankings really popped out on the page at me, and I want to get into that here momentarily. But first and foremost, this episode brought to you by Ivy Log Meat Processing, newly renovated shop with great staff. They are booking harvest dates right now. Contact David and the crew, 706-745-0011, or visit ivylogmeatprocessing.com. That is ivylogmeatprocessing.com. And check them out on Facebook as well. Ivy Log Meat Processing makes today's edition of the Chris Mathis podcast possible. And again, getting into some quarterback rankings ahead of this 2023 season. Uh, any guess as to the top three quarterbacks, according to Sam Monson, heading into this uh, upcoming season, Spence? Top three expectations for this upcoming year. Are any of the quarterbacks nearing 40 years old? Because these lists are very, very different in terms of if people see Aaron Rodgers still as a top three quarterback or not. So that's my one question before I guess the top three. Yeah, no, he is not in the top three, not okay. even top four. I'm going to go Patrick Mahomes, Joe Burrow, and Josh Allen. Hey, you know what? You got three names there. You did get Patrick Mahomes right. You flip-flop two and three, though. They have Josh Allen at two, Joe Burrow at three. Again, this is Sam Monson of Pro Football Focus with these rankings ahead of the 2023 season. I don't have too much of a big deal whatsoever there. I think that could be argued either way regarding Josh Allen, Joe Burrow. However, yeah. you look down the list – uh, a couple that jump out to me, Anthony Richardson starts off at number 32. He's the rookie quarterback out of Florida, now with the Indianapolis Colts. I don't have an issue there simply because we haven't seen anything from Anthony Richardson at this level. Uh, do you have any issue there regarding a uh, 32nd ranking? No. Desmond Ritter comes in at number 31 of the Atlanta Falcons. He's in year two, looks to uh, ride that ship there, if you will, with the Atlanta Falcons. Kyle Pitts and him hope to get on the right page this year. They obviously had a pretty decent draft, too. He sits at number 31. And uh, C.J. Stroud. Yeah. My one question would be, considering you have Desmond Ritter in there, where is Sam Howell, who's probably going to be the eventual starter for the Commanders? Yeah, Sam Howell ranked 27th. Oh, wow. Some way, somehow. And you know what's even more shot? Well, I'll save that here. Just a second. C.J. Stroud of the Texans, he ranks at number 30 going into this season. Colt McCoy at number 29. That's right. Colt McCoy, formerly of Texas. He is the Arizona Cardinals quarterback uh, with Kyler Murray out for the year. So, Colt McCoy. Out for a year? He's, yeah, he's out for the season. Wait, when, when would that drop? Oh, it's been a while. Yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's expected to miss majority, if not all, of this year. No, I don't, I don't think that. I think it's like half the season so either way he's he's gonna miss a good bit of playing time like Cole McCoy should, I don't know I, I mean I think it's odd to put rookie quarterbacks in there in the first place because with the Colts you don't know if he's gonna be a starting quarterback with the Texans you still don't know if he's gonna be a starting quarterback because long neck is over there so those two are quarterbacks that have I mean you've got what Davis Mills and uh whatever the whatever the heck the the Colts got Ellinger those two guys have already played yeah, before so to put rookies in this ranking, I think it is a bit of a stooge move here, but uh, we can continue the list. 
I, I don't think so because they're just simply predicting who's going to win the job or by the end of the season, you know, who has the job. So Baker Mayfield, any guesses as to where Baker Mayfield falls in uh, with the Buccaneers? 28 is the number. So he's just one spot ahead of Colt McCoy <laughs> with the Arizona Cardinals and just one spot back from Sam Howell with the Washington Commanders, which a bit Those shocking. Very me. similar players. Sam Howell and Baker Mayfield are very similar. I, I like Sam Howell, though. I do too, but I don't think he has the weapons. I don't think that he has the talent around him as, you know, Baker Mayfield has in Tampa Bay. Now, they do have some talent there in Washington, but not talent that's won games before. Uh, now, one that really popped out to me on this page, Russell Wilson. Any guesses as to where Sam Monson had Russell Wilson ahead of this 2023 season? 17. He has him at number 20, which after one, not just bad year, but terrible year for him to drop that far. With Sean Payton as the head coach coming up this yeah. year. I mean, it's going to be a different Russell Wilson than what we've seen over the last season and maybe even a, a better Russell Wilson than what we've seen over the years because Russell Wilson and Drew Brees are very similar quarterbacks in terms, but Russell Wilson has a little bit of, of athleticism. And I think we might see like a revitalization of Russell Wilson's career with the guy as smart and as good of an offensive coordinator as Sean Payton has been over the years. And I think that if the saints had Sean Payton right now, they would be the obvious winners of the NFC South, but instead they have Dennis Allen and Derek Carr. And you look over the Broncos, they have Sean Payton. They have a pretty good receiving core and now, and they also have Russell Wilson. So that's a team to look out for. And, I don't know if he – I still don't think – I think he just maybe uh, closed his eyes and threw darts at a board until he hit a couple of these quarterbacks' names and then put them in rankings that way because putting putting Mayfield at 28, I mean, I don't think you can do that if you even look at the talent around him. He's he's at least going to be out of, the, out of the bottom 10 quarterbacks this season just based off of – all he has to do is throw the ball up to these receivers. And the same thing goes for Russell Wilson. I mean, of course, number 20 is 12 away from 32, but – I don't. So far, these rankings have been a bit tough here for Monson. And also moving on, a quarterback that was arguably heading into the last year, one of the lower tier quarterbacks, and somebody that we expected to take a big leap. He took a leap last year. Talking about Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears. Any guesses as to where Justin Fields might rank here on this uh, ranking ahead of the 2023 season? Up or down from Russell Wilson? He's actually. It shocked me a little bit. He's up from Russell Wilson. Uh, 15. He's actually at number 18, which still right in the middle between 20 and, and 15. Number 18 for Justin Fields. A little bit high for me as well. Yeah, I do know they also had a pretty solid draft, and they're going to help build around them. But going into this year, based off of last year, I don't see how you can have a guy in Justin Fields at number 18 on the list. One spot ahead of Ryan Tannehill with the Tennessee Titans at number 19. Yeah, Tannehill, I think at this point in his career, I'm surprised they didn't put him that high with I think that most people, after he kind of lost his job to a quarterback that will probably be in the USFL within the next two years in Malik Willis, I think that that was probably the end of Tannehill mania that has, that has swarmed NFL fans for the last 10 years since he was a receiver in college and heading into the Miami Dolphins. But, I mean, he was decent with the with the Titans when they were a really good team, but he was the reason that they never made it far because they had such a great team, but their quarterback was Ryan Tannehill. And to have him, I think that's too high for Ryan Tannehill in the first place. I get Justin Field. I mean, I think that Russell Wilson should obviously be above those two, but I think Justin Fields should be above Ryan Tannehill at this point in his career as well because Tannehill has had a ton of injuries over the years as well. Yeah, and also last year Tannehill did not have a great season whatsoever, and uh, the Tennessee Titans kind of had a, a drop-off. Rabel didn't look like he had his best year as head coach there in Nashville. Now, one position that we both have agreed on as being very important and one that the Buccaneers have had some talent at for years now and some way somehow get slept on, 
the linebacker position. And Trevor Sikama of Pro Football Focus, Tampa Bay Trey, has his top 10 linebackers ahead of this season. Interesting to me that Chicago Bears linebackers, Tremaine Edmonds and TJ Edwards there, round out number nine and number 10. But look at the top, Fred Warner of San Francisco. I can't argue him not being number one. He definitely deserves that. He is extremely talented. Levante David of the Buccaneers comes in at number two. Demario Davis at number three uh, with the New Orleans Saints. How do you feel about this ranking? I think Roquan Smith in the right spot too. Uh, Shaquille Leonard right there. Bobby Wagner could maybe be dropped down below uh, Dre Grinlaw to me based on last season alone. But Levante David finding a spot at number two on this top 10 linebacker list, according to Trevor Sikama, a pro football focus. Yeah, I love Levante David. He's obviously a top 10 linebacker in the NFL, even at this point in his career. But this is, of course, coming from Trevor Sikama. Uh, of course, I think that he's kind of like if I were in the, in the media, I think that I would also rate Levante David at number two, because if this was made by anybody else within pro football focus or whatever this is coming from, I think that Levante David would probably be um, in the bottom five of the top 10. But Levante David has been a great linebacker over the years. And if this is based off of over the years play, I've, of course, that's a very good list because Demario Davis and Levante David and Bobby Wagner being there is important. But all three of these guys are aging very rapidly. And I think Demario Davis is definitely top five. I think Levante David would probably be fifth, in my opinion. I think moves to kill Leonard up. I think he, he didn't have a great season last year, but he had injury problems. Roquan Smith is very good with the Baltimore Ravens, and I think he's only going to get better. Like I, like you said, I like Drake Lee, uh, Greenlaw a little bit more than Bobby Wagner at this point in his career. But if we're going off that, if we're going off career, of course he'd be in the top three. But I, overall, a pretty good list. Um, I'm not too big in it. I don't really – I haven't watched too much of TJ Edwards with the Chicago Bears, but I know they had a great defense last year. So that is probably a fair place to put him at number 10. But I do know Tremaine Edmonds is a good linebacker. So I don't really, you can't really have too much of a, of a problem with this list because a lot of the guys that we thought would maybe be good, like Patrick queen for the Baltimore Ravens, who was drafted in 2019 and Devin white for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who was drafted in 2019 have just really been the most inconsistent linebackers um, over. I mean, over the last two or three years, those two have been so inconsistent and linebacker at this point in the NFL, I think is a very replaceable position in terms of, they don't get the big contracts like they used to. I don't think people put as much emphasis into getting a linebacker. And that's the only reason that these guys aren't in the list is because they're not consistent. And these guys are, especially Demario Davis, Levante David, and of course, Fred Warner should always be number one on every linebacker list. But those guys, I think that I think the linebacker play is kind of falling from the wayside, at least the middle linebacker play. And eventually we may even see um, some more, I don't know. I, I think we're going to see some more Keanu Neal type roles in that linebacker position with safeties transitioning down if they're a little bit slower to play that position because I don't think it's working out very well because a lot of these linebackers aren't being able to keep up with these giant fast tight ends that are in the NFL now and Travis Kelsey, um, Kittle, and a couple other ones like Mark Andrews. They can't cover him. Even Levante David can't cover these tight ends. And he's the best coverage linebacker in the NFL. And you'll see him get routed up by Travis Kelsey, but not in the Super Bowl, of course, because he absolutely shut his ass down. But other than that, I mean, outside of, outside of, the, uh, outside of the playoffs and Super Bowl, these guys are not able to cover these big tight ends. And I think we're going to see a transition away from the true linebacker playing at the linebacker position, unless you're what the Detroit lions who drafted, uh, I forgot what his name was, but they drafted him at like 15 and he's, I mean, he's not a very fast guy. So they're going to have some issues there trying to stop the pass. And we'll, we'll see that this season. But I think that linebackers are eventually going to be replaced by, by hybrid safeties over the next couple of years, unless you have a guy like Fred Warner, or Demario Davis, or Levante David, the guys that are actually consistent. What's the bigger deal here for you? Obviously, you talk about Levante David being at number two, and I think this is based on their career. 
But what's the bigger deal? The fact that Levante David at number two or that Devin White did not make the cut. And Devin White in his contract year obviously has been seeking a new contract here, whether it be in Tampa Bay or elsewhere. He has to show up big, and he's not even top 10 here. And somehow Levante David at number two, what's the bigger deal? Yeah, I think it's nice to see Levante David finally get some recognition because he's a guy like London Fletcher of the Washington Redskins over the his 15-year career was almost identical to the Baltimore Ravens' Ray Lewis's 15-year career. They just didn't win games, and the same thing happens for Tampa Bay. But now, after the Super Bowl win for the Buccaneers, you see like guys uh, guys like Mike Evans, um, of course, Levante David getting a lot more recognition and a better chance at making the Hall of Fame, especially if Levante David can have two or two more years that are great. Same thing goes with Mike Evans. I mean, recognition is important, and I don't think Devin White is anywhere close to deserving to be on the top 10 list, especially with his behavior off the field of like just his, I, I don't know. I just don't think he's a very likable guy um, to fans. And he's not a very likable guy probably to the coaching staff because he may, he's made the same rookie mistakes for the last four years, aside from 2020. Also moving on here with our top uh, rankings ahead of this upcoming football season. Here are the top 20, or I should say top duos for cornerbacks and the NFL heading into the 2023 season. And obviously, you do see Sash Gardner, DJ Reed there at the top, Jalen Ramsey, Xavier Howard at number two, Trayvon Diggs, Stephon Gilmore at three with the Dallas Cowboys, Darius Slade, James Bradbury at four, Jamel Dean, Carlton Davis with the Buccaneers at number five. And the list goes on here. As far as uh, what pops out to you, I'll tell you what pops out to me. I think that maybe Darius Slay and James Bradbury are spot too high. I think they should be dropped just below the Buccaneers simply because I think that obviously Darius Slay, a little bit older now in the last few years of his career, James Bradbury is still pretty good, but Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis are just playing their best football right now, and they did not have that pressure up front that the Philadelphia Eagles had all last season, and that really helps out the secondary. I think that was a huge part of their success last year, even in the secondary. And we saw that years ago with the Buccaneers defense back in 2002. That pressure up front helped out the Buccaneers secondary tremendously. Yeah, and this is another list from uh, Sam Monson that I see at the top up there. And it's not numbered, so I don't know if this is his top 10 duos in the in the NFL. But Yeah, top 10. I think then, if this is top 10, I think you've got the Jets a little bit too high. I think Darius Slay and James Bradbury have kind of earned being the number one spot in terms of they were insane last season, and they were part of the reason that the Eagles made the Super Bowl. But Jalen Ramsey and Xavier Howard, Howard over the last three years has had so many injury concerns. He's been suspended from the team. Jalen Ramsey has been getting cooked consistently since 2021. I think those guys are a little bit too high. I think Trayvon Diggs and Stephon Gilmore are in a good spot there. I think those two are going to be very good this coming up season. Of course, Stephon Gilmore a little bit older now. But like you said, Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis with the age of those two cornerbacks and just the play that they've had. I mean, I'm pretty sure Carlton Davis has led the NFL over the last two or three years in pass deflections, or at least at one point he did last season. And these guys get targeted a ton, but they don't let a ton ton of touchdowns up. I mean, Carlton Davis has been good over the last two seasons. He's had injury concerns as well, but those two I think should be higher. I like Denzel Ward and Greg Newsom where they're at. Tredavious White and Taron Johnson, I'm not too big into I'm not too uh, big. I haven't really seen that much on Taron Johnson. And then the rest of the list kind of follows that exact same thing with Legereus Need. I think he's a good quarterback, a little bit younger than these guys, very fast. And then the Bengals, uh, I really don't know. I don't know if there's that many really good duo cornerbacks in the first place. I think that this is just whoever is the best quarterback in the league is going to have the best duos, kind of what it looks like Sam Monson's kind of going for, but it looks like he failed at that as well. Well, I'm going to weigh in here regarding uh, the rest of the list. The bottom five, yeah, it's kind of just falling into place as far as 
all right, yeah, we're going to piece together the next best corner and whoever his sidekick is, and that's what we see there. But the top five, the top five secondaries and duos there with cornerbacks is pretty spot on. I think you can move a couple of pieces here and there, as you said, uh, and I'm also looking into coming into this year. So, yeah, based on last season, obviously Darius Slay, James Bradbury should be at the top, but this is heading into this year, and I think that Darius Slay, he had a hell of a season last year. I just don't know if that at this age that he can – you know, replicate that again with the Philadelphia Eagles with the same token. And obviously you're looking here at the defensive line. They had a big draft too. So maybe that helps out with his yeah. aging process even more. It helped but, out last year. I mean, they had three guys with 10 sacks and I think that's probably going to be near the same this year as well. And I think, I mean, of course those guys, of, of course, uh, Darius Slay is kind of a lot like um, Trayvon Diggs, at least over the last season in terms of, He's there to make the play on the ball, and that's the big thing with Darius Slay. But I do remember watching one game last season with Darius Slay where I think the quarterback tried to throw three or four consecutive interceptions to him in the red zone, and he just dropped every single one of them. But Darius Slay is, for the most part, a ball hawk, and the big thing between those two teams is they've got great pass rushers in front of them in terms of the Cowboys and the Eagles with Micah Parsons with the Cowboys, and then the Eagles front three that has been there for a long time, and they just keep adding on to that. And I think that really plays into um, kind of who gets – ranked higher of course i like the ranking of sauce gardner of, of sauce gardner though because he's not a guy that ended up with that many interceptions last year but the other guy was the second guy on that list dj reed i believe is his name was very good at getting interceptions last season and i think that's important for those guys yeah dj reed is his name and i think that's important though is that i think that as fans and as people that are making these lists or whatever we're looking more interceptions than anything but that's not really the case because there's so many more statistics and i think baseball has kind of taught anybody who has looked at anything over the last three or four years about baseball, how many statistics you can have about just one player. And I think that we're looking a lot, to, we're looking a lot into interceptions and maybe pass deflections, but there's probably a lot more statistics that, that kind of play into who should really be the top five. But of course um, I don't, I don't think you can really go wrong with the top five quarterback list in the first place. Of course, the top 10 is probably difficult to make in the first place in credit of Sam Monson. So, I mean, I, I don't think I can make that list in, in general, just in terms of, me knowing who is going to be as good next season because Ramsey, like you said, is aging. At this point, Xavier Howard has to be pretty decently old, at least over the 27-year-old age mark. And that's kind of whenever a cornerback kind of trends down, at least in today's day and age, where they've got to cover guys like Tyree Kill, Jalen Waddell, um, Devontae, just really fast players like Devontae Smith and the rest of those guys. And I think back in the day, or maybe even just 10 years ago, you could have a guy that play into his 30, into his late 30s. Even Rondé Barber did that. Rod Woodson did that. Charles Woodson did that. But nowadays with so many teams playing man coverage all the time with a single high safety, these cornerbacks are being burnt out kind of like running backs after their second contract. They go one more contract, but at the age of 30, you can see a huge decay in the cornerbacks play. And I think, like you said, we're probably going to see that with the Eagles this year. And you're definitely going to see that with Jalen Ramsey because we've seen that over the last two years with him. Yeah, no doubt about it. And again, we're talking about cornerbacks ahead of the 2023 season, which gets underway in just a few months. I'm excited for it. I know that you guys are too. And you can weigh in, tweet us, message us on social media at TCM underscore pod. Also with the quarterbacks and the rankings, interceptions are very important. However, they're not everything. And I do think that a lot of that is weighed into the PFF rankings. I know that Jamel Dean and Carlton Davis would be a little bit higher on that list for the Buccaneers if they did have more interceptions they yeah, do but the thing, those two those two do not have hands and that probably does play into the list because those guys cannot catch especially carlton davis i mean there was i think i think uh the super bowl year he had like seven drop interceptions that just looked like they were going into his hands he just 
has not been able to catch in his career, but he's very good at swatting the ball away. And that's probably why he's ranked, uh, what, number five on that list? Yeah, I believe, yeah, falling in there at number five with Jamel Dean Carlton Davis. Moving on now, obviously, uh, ESPN, I shouldn't say ESPN, EA Sports and Madden Spencer coming out with their new game, Madden 24. It's rumored that Josh Allen will grace the cover. Now, we will not officially know who the cover athlete is until this Wednesday the 7th. Uh, and then we'll know who's on the cover. But Josh Allen rumored to be on the cover after he had 35 passing touchdowns, 14 interceptions last year. On the flip side, I think it was 17. Patrick Mahomes had 41 touchdown passes, 12 interceptions. They're going to throw Josh Allen on there. I thought this was a fan vote thing that they've done in the past. I don't know why it's rumored that Josh Allen is going to be on the cover. Yeah, I think it's uh, June 6th, I believe, is whenever Wednesday, they do this. Yeah, Wednesday the 7th. Yeah. So they they make I, I don't think it's really a fan vote anymore. I don't think honestly at this point in Madden's um, storied franchise, I don't think that the cover athlete is as big of a deal as it was whenever we were kids, like with Drew Brees in 2011, the Palomalu, Larry Fitzgerald cover that we saw. I mean, the covers just meant a lot more back then. And with kind of these game consoles and or whatever moving on to more digital stuff, if you have Madden this year, and if anyone listening right now has Madden this year. Even though John Madden was on the cover, if you're on if you're on your PlayStation or Xbox, the cover for some reason changes like every one every two months to a different like historic player. It's very I don't think it really they put much into it anymore as they used to whenever it mattered a ton more, especially whenever Peyton Hillis was fan voted in in 2011 or the 2012 yeah. Madden. So I don't think they really care anymore. Of course, Josh Allen did not have his best season last year, and I think that a lot of fans, even Buffalo Bill fans, can attest to that. Uh, his 2021 campaign was much better than 2022. Um, but I hope I hope we get to see Joe Burrow on there eventually. And I think last year probably would have been the year that Joe Burrow probably would have been on the cover, even though he lost the Super Bowl. We've already seen Patrick Mahomes on the cover twice now. And Burrow probably would have been on it, but after not making after not making the Super Bowl again, which he probably won't make I don't know if he may not ever make the Super Bowl again. And that was probably his only chance. And that's the only guy that I really like to see on the cover. But Hopefully one day they get away from making it a quarterback every single year and give it to somebody that deserves it a little bit more like they used to with uh, with like Adrian Peterson or Barry Sanders or one of the skill positions, maybe even a defensive player. Could Ray Lewis. To cover. Yeah, like the Ray Lewis cover and the Ray, Ray Lewis German. intro was the greatest Madden, I think, that I've played, especially in terms of whenever they used to do the intro. They don't do that anymore. And I think that the Madden cover thing has kind of lost its uh, its appeal to everybody. I've seen some rumors now regarding DeMar Hamlin of the Bills some way, somehow finding himself on the cover. I think that would be kind of cool if he was on the cover. It'd be different than obviously having another quarterback or having Josh Allen who had – it was a good year, but it wasn't a great year for Josh Allen. He took a step back, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, I, the thing with – the thing if that's if that's an actual thing with DeMar Hamlin is there's been a lot of guys that haven't been great in their NFL career that have had big injuries and they didn't get the grace to cover Madden. So to have DeMar Hamlin, of course, he did almost die on the football field, but to put him on the cover. Yeah, I mean, how do you that, top that? That would be stupid. Uh, I don't know if that would be stupid. I think it'd be yes, kind it of would. cool. He was not, he's, he's, he hasn't been, I mean, you're going to see it this year whenever he comes back to play. He's not, he's not one of the best players in the NFL, not even close. And I don't think that he, is even close to deserving of, of the Madden title, even though I just said that it doesn't have that much weight on people. I would, I don't know if I'd, I don't, I don't know if I'd have any uh, interest in having DeMar Hamlin on the cover in terms of he's just not uh, a great player. It, it's sometimes more than just being a great player though. A great story, a I'm role model. He's got his shine. He's been everywhere. Inspiration. I mean, it'd be cool. It would be a cool way to. He's at the Grammys. 
He was throwing up the sixes. But still, to have your son because he was throwing up the devil's number. Oh, man. All right. Well, we'll close out the show here. The Chris Mathis Podcast. Spencer always. Uh, Savage Spence at L Savage Spence on Twitter. Uh, but obviously, game three of the NBA Finals will take place tomorrow. The Miami Heat took game two in Denver on Sunday night, 111-108. And uh, the Joker still scored 41 points in a loss. The uh, unfortunate thing for the Joker is he only had four assists in that game in that loss. And Miami was able to hang on. Jimmy Butler made a key three late in the ball game, and they were able to hold on to a three-point win. Yeah, and the thing with that is the Nuggets are 1-0 on nights where I have Nuggets for dinner. I had Chick-fil-A in the game uh, during game one. Oh, wow. I had the Nuggets from there. Game two, guess what? Nothing. No chicken nuggets, nothing. So that could play into it, of course. That's probably a big deal with these players, especially Jimmy Butler's probably looking over here praying that I don't eat nuggets, but I might just mess around and go get some nuggets tonight. And Nikola Jokic is going to win the next game for the Nuggets because oh, he's an insane no. player. And Jimmy Butler, the first two games, a great player over the over over the season, of course, uh, over the playoffs, he's been great. But what? 15 points, terrible shooting in game one, 22 points in game two victory. Of course, the Heat are a team that can afford to have their star play bad, but they can't afford to have it every night because Jokic is going to drop 50 on their heads eventually this series. And if Jimmy Butler doesn't pick it up, I mean, 22 points and just a plus three plus minus isn't great for your leading player on your team, especially if, um, for the Miami Heat who really need uh, one more leader on that squad. Of course, the Nuggets are just led by a stalwart in Nikola Jokic. And I think that Butler's going to have to heat up a little bit. But if I continue to get chicken nuggets, I don't think that that's even going to become close. I think we may see less than 15 from Jimmy Butler one of these nights that I have these. Uh, I don't know if I'm going to go. I don't know if I got to continue to go to Chick-fil-A, might go to McDonald's, might go to Wendy's. If I'm feeling terrible myself, might go to Burger King. If I'm out of money, might go over to somewhere oh else. God. You know, I could go yeah. even to Longhorns to get their nuggets. I could go anywhere. There's a plethora of options for me to get my nuggets. But so far, the Denver Nuggets are 1-0 when I go to Chick-fil-A. And I think that probably plays a big role into this. Yeah, not a paid partnership there, just a fan of Nuggets. And I think that Jimmy Butler heats up with Miami Heat in Game 3 in South Beach. I think they take Game 3 and win their second consecutive and take a 2-1 series lead in the NBA Finals. But we'll be back with you guys uh, either this weekend or early next week. And again, thank you guys for joining us. The Chris Mathis Podcast brought to you by our friends at Ivy Log Meat Processing in Blairsville. Check the description down below for more information. Check out Spencer's shirt. We'll talk to you guys next week.